you ready to talk fantasy football? Then you're ready for the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your hosts, Mike Randall and Scott Berg. Welcome back to the Picking Up the Blitz podcast. Week one is in the books. We have a ton of things to talk about here. Mike Randall here with you talking with my partner, Scott Burke. Scott, we got a robust, content-filled podcast, don't we? Yeah, Mike, how did that week one go for you, huh? That was a lot of action, a lot of different things going on. Injuries, busts, studs, people coming out of work. Very, very interesting week one. Scott, I'm going to take this moment to brag here. I did lose... A fantasy contest this week and I have 11 teams folks I did lose one I have been eliminated from the Matt Kelly best ball eliminator league where I picked Le'Veon Bell with the first overall pick it's a it was a fundraiser for kids with toys uh, set up great job fundraiser sort of best ball elimination thing 20 teams Scott so I got the second overall pick and I didn't pick again because it was a reverse format <laughs> forever so Le'Veon Bell let me tell you having that game that he had was a killer I wasn't eliminated but Scott if Keenan Allen gets two catches for 31 yards I'm 10 and 1 10 and 1 that's not too bad I went in tonight into tonight thinking I might be 5 and 1 in the six leagues I'm in outside chance now I might be 4 and 2 Michael Thomas didn't really perform as much as I hoped tonight as we got that first Monday night game in the books second one's going as we speak so I went into it possibly 5 and 1 looking more like 4 and 2 well, four and two is pretty good. I'll take that every day of the week. And you know me, streaky lifer, Scott. One day ten and one, next day one and ten. So, uh, I did get knocked out of my only eliminator pool thanks to the Houston Texans. I'm glad they showed up this week. And uh, you know, in a game I thought would be full of emotion, the only team showing emotion was Jacksonville. Uh, yeah, that's crazy too. That was. I mean, I thought Houston was a pretty safe pick. Listen, Jacksonville's defense is tough. I thought I said it on the podcast I thought it would be close, but I'd be lying, Scott, if I told you I thought Jacksonville was going to win that game. Yeah, yeah, that one caught me by surprise. I, I, I guess I under, under underestimated Jacksonville's defense or that, or I just overestimated the uh, quarterback play or non-existing quarterback play of the Houston Texans' Tom Savage. Yeah, for, especially for survivor pool and, and eliminator pool, Scott. Uh, next week, you know, there's a couple interesting ones. We can talk Seattle, San Francisco. We can talk Carolina, Buffalo, too. A couple weird ones out there. But there's always these games, right? There's always these games that make absolutely no sense. And Houston-Jacksonville was no exception. Yeah, absolutely. That was one of them that just, you know, listen, I, I handicapped that one wrong. I was all over Houston for a couple of weeks. Missed it. My second team was the Rams. Should have went with you with the Rams. They just went out and took care of business. Wade Phillips in year one with the defense. Let's get to news and notes, my friend. All right, Mike, a lot of different news and notes we can go with here. A lot of stuff happened week one. I got to go with the most important one to me or anybody I would think would be, you know, the consensus number one overall pick in all fantasy drafts, David Johnson. Chris Mortensen's reporting he's got a fractured wrist. It's going to need some surgery. Minimum, maybe eight weeks. He's going for a second opinion, but a minimum eight weeks. This is trouble for anybody who had that first pick and took David Johnson. That This is, this is big. Hashtag team backfield drafting. Scott, this is why you team backfield draft. A lot of these fantasy experts will tell you you should not draft a handcuff unless, unless they have standalone value, and I understand that. But Kerwin Williams was a guy, if you had David Johnson and you read my article on playerprofiler.com, you should have rostered for the beginning of the year. Scott, I know people don't have deep benches, five players, maybe six if you're lucky, but stick Kerwin Williams there because if David Johnson gives you a couple weeks, you can drop Kerwin Williams because you probably will have won a couple games. But make no mistake about it, when a fantasy player is selected early, Scott, you are basically saying that this guy's got a score for you. You can handcuff the running back. 
I know there's somebody who's on me on Twitter today. Well, it could be Chris Johnson. That's great. Kermit Williams played the last game, and he scored a touchdown. That's a guy that you should have rostered just to get off to a good start. If you don't want to keep him whole year, that's fine. But, Scott, you invest in a running back like this, and you pass in these big-time wide receivers, and he's going to be out now for quite some time. It could be 12 weeks. That is a major blow to your fantasy team. Yeah, I mean, let me, you know, let me play devil's advocate here because, you know, with David Johnson, not many people are going to handcuff your number one overall pick. You're going to roll with what he's got. But, but that's the reason you should but, handcuff him because he is your number one uh, pick. Yeah, I I get it. But is Kerwin Williams really a guarantee handcuff? Because let me let me draw out a name. Let me draw out Andre Ellington. He played 20 snaps last, in the game against Detroit. He caught two pass, two passes for 35 yards. Karen Williams only ran the ball five times for 10 yards, one touchdown, caught zero passes. So for me, now you're looking at a PPR league, especially. Why wouldn't Andre Ellington be a guy you're looking at here? He got 20 snaps. He was on the ball, on the field, you know, a third of the time. He made an impact in the passing downs. He was, before David Johnson and before Chris Johnson, he was a guy who produced fantasy numbers for at least half a season, maybe a little more. If I'm, if I'm going on the waiver wire this week, I may go Andre Ellington instead. That's fine, but you know that this is a touchdown-driven fantasy format. That's every fantasy format you're in. You want the touchdowns. Scott, who got the ball at the three-yard line? It was Kerwin Williams. They could have given it to Andre Ellington, and they didn't. You want the goal line back. That's the first choice. I understand. PPR, you may be right. Chris Johnson, Arians came out with a report that he may resign him. I understand that. All I'm looking, man, is to get the David Johnson owners through this coming week. After that, you have a couple weeks. Maybe you make a trade. Maybe you hit the waiver wire. But when that injury goes down, very rarely is the guy who came in and got the goal line carries not going to get them the next week. I think you got to roll with Kerwin Williams. If you have PPR, I understand. But for goal line carries, they're not giving him Andre Elton. Yeah, I get it. I, I get it. I mean, I don't think Kerwin Williams is by any stretch a, a slam dunk either. I mean, if you if it's me, I'm taking a chance. I, I'm going to go Andre Ellington. I get you going Kern, Kern Williams for the goal line. But again, it was only five carries. He got one carry inside the three. He was able to get in the end zone. But he did nothing else outside of that. I think Ellington just offers more value on both 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 ends of the ball, running and receiving. Another big injury. This guy was hot last year, cooled down big time this year. If Jacksonville, Allen Robinson's out for the season with a torn ACL. The Jaguars went into Houston. They took care of business there. They didn't really do much on offense. I mean, Leonard Fournette showed up, but the receivers were non-existent. Allen Robinson, this injury is big. You know, the other two wide receivers on this team, Allen Hearns and Marquise Lee, minimally owned in fantasy leagues. They're both going to be waiver wire pickups. The impact of Allen Robinson for Jacksonville is what to fantasy owners? The answer, Scott, is Marquise Lee. Allen Hurd's a little feast or famine, and I understand he had the touchdown year where he had like 10 touchdowns and 60 catches, one catch every six yards, every one touchdown every six receptions like two years ago. It's going to be Marquise Lee. Now, Marquise Lee did not get a lot of targets. D.D. Westbrook's on the IR. When he comes back, he could be an issue. The answer is Marquise Lee. Did you see that game plan, the Tom Coughlin-led game plan? I understand Doug Marone's a head coach, but it's Marone and Coughlin. They're simpatico in this. You saw that, Scott. It was student body left. It was student body right if it's our defense is vicious did you see they changed their twitter handle to saxonville by the way because they yeah well t- <laughs> 10, 10 sacks that'll do it for you you sack anybody 10 times you can do whatever you want with your twitter handle they're going to go with the blake bortles low risk passes you know what that means scott it means short to intermediate routes it means marquise lee you want to go alan hearns i have no problem with that also i just think lee is going to be a ppr machine i mean marquise lee wasn't targeted once not even once. I'm calling my shot, man. I'm hot, baby. I'm hot. I'm calling my shot. I, I, I get it. I mean, I get I get the hot take. He'd be the guy. I mean, but they, there was an, another one of those situations where does anybody really excite you? I mean, we're already down on Bortles. Alan Hearns led the team with four targets, three catches for, for 42 yards. I mean, 
there was only one guy that really showed up on offense, and he was a running back that you know we were a little bit down on, but he, he proved us wrong week one. He's got some more work to do, but another one of those situations where maybe next man up doesn't necessarily mean next fantasy man up. And Scott, slow down with the Leonard for, for net bandwagon that people are jumping on. He didn't even have four yards per carry. Okay, so let's take it easy. I understand the volume, but don't forget about Chris Ivory. I think Fournette was fine, but let's not overreact to that. People are going nuts that Leonard Fournette was dominating. Can we take it easy, please, with one game? Yeah, he was right at 426 for 100. What were we talking, 3.95? He was right there. Uh, not exactly that impressive. Plus, it was also game script. Are you telling me Jacksonville's going to be pounding teams into oblivion? Maybe they are. If that's the case, then the run's going to be good. But I'm not sure if we're ready to anoint Leonard Fournette a guaranteed RB1 or even RB2. But that's just my opinion. Next up, let's stick with the same game. Houston side, quarterback, Tom Savage lasted two quarters. was sacked six times, threw for about 70 yards tops. Deshaun Watson came in second half. Hooked up with DeAndre Hopkins one time, but really nothing else there on the on the Houston side. I mean, if if I have to read between the lines, you go on Twitter, social media. I, I'm going to guess that Sean Watson's going to take this team going forward. Um, your thoughts on that? Would it be Watson the guy to go with? You got to start to Sean Watson. This is a non-issue. Houston is a team. Not Tom Savage is not getting you to the playoffs. I mean, listen, he's a he's a placeholder guy. Give Watson a chance to grow. That offense was awful. He also targeted um, DeAndre Hopkins, Scott, something like twelve times in the second half, something like that. So certainly he's already getting the ball or trying to get it to the best player, which Savage couldn't do. It's a no-brainer. Yeah, Hopkins led the league in targets with 16 this week. So, I mean, you know, at least Watson's going to, you know, if he's in there, he's taking a shot. That, that's good for Hopkins owners. At least you know he's looking for his big target. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Watson's got to be the guy for me. I mean, he probably should have been the guy from day one. But, you know, I, he, that's how they, some rookie quarterbacks don't get in right away. And Savage looked terrible. And he beat up big time with that offensive line not really helping him at all either. Yeah, two more two more big injuries for you guys that didn't even play. Let's start with Odell Beckham, Dallas game on Sunday night against the Cowboys. Beckham was scratched about 7 o'clock an hour before kickoff, and the Giants' offense looked terrible without him. I don't know if he would have made much of a difference. You know, this this looks like more than just one week to me. I mean, the way he came down in the warm-ups, he was wincing in pain when he landed on the ankle. To me, this is about two or three more weeks. I don't know. What do you think with Odell Beckham? And then the other one I'm going to throw to you in the same you know, same injury category is Andrew Luck. You know, he missed one week. He's already been ruled out now for week two. And local radio out here, you know, world-renowned orthopedic Dr. Steve O'Brien was on with uh, radio legend Mike Francesa and talking about how he is worried about Andrew Luck being extremely far behind, how this injury shouldn't be taking this long to heal, and the fact that he hasn't even thrown yet. I mean, he, you know, he estimated that we're looking at six, seven, eight weeks could be more for Andrew Luck. I mean, at what point do we really, really now get worried with Luck? Start with Odell Beckham. That was a bad loss for the Giants. Number one, I don't think John's going to be very good this year. I've told you, Scott, over and over again, I think they're going to be 5-11. and 11. Their offensive line is terrible. They chose to go with a wide receiver, a tight end, so they didn't get any protection there. They signed Brett Ellison, but he's not going to be on the field that much because they don't value him as a receiver. That no, Odell Beckham not on that lineup is horrific, but it doesn't explain the fact, Scott, why Eli Manning could not find Brandon Marshall. He could not find Sterling Shepard except for a short period of time there in like the third quarter. It made no sense. He has no protection whatsoever. The running game is atrocious. Paul Perkins is terrible. Shane Vereen, I think Scott outcarried him and out targeted him in, in receptions. Perkins is gone. They have no running back. They have no offensive line. Odell, I think it's a very astute observation of you. I think he really is banged up. And their defense, listen, is solid. It's a solid defense, but they could be on the field for a long, long time. I do not like the Giants this year. I don't like McAdoo. And I bet they miss my guy, Tom Coughlin, don't they? 
Yeah, I would say so. I mean, the offensive game planning looked terrible. I, I that, that game was borderline unwatchable for most of the night. I mean, not not to say Dallas looked you know out of this world either, either. But I mean, the Giant offensive line was terrible. I agree with you on Ingram. While he may be a nice player, he doesn't ha- he doesn't provide them an immediate need, which is an extra blocker. Red Ellison does that, so it takes away Ingram's value. And Shane Vereen, he, he led the team in receptions with nine. He didn't get the ball on, on the backfield at all. But I mean, Perkins was seven of sixteen. The offense was bad there. Again, I don't think Beckham missing, you know, time there would have made being in the lineup would have made much of a difference anyway because Eli looked lost. We didn't know where Brandon Marshall was all night. The only guy that really showed up was Sterling Shepard, but he only put together 50 something yards and seven catches. So yeah, I mean, the Beckham injury could have long-term effect, but Eli and the offensive line themselves need to get on track or it's going to be a long offensive season. One more quick How about Andrew? How about Andrew Luck? One more quick thing before we get to Luck. I agree with you. That was not a good game for the game for the Dallas Cowboys either. Scott, their offense is throw it up to Des Bryant or Ezekiel Elliott, and that's it. And the NFL is going after an injunction here. They're trying to get Elliott out of there. Explain to me this, Scott. Why was Darren McFadden inactive? Yeah, I think we all missed the boat on that one. I don't know. I mean, I was looking for him there. He did. You know, he said inactive. Alfred Morris got a couple of carries. So I mean, even with this appeal by the NFL, you probably could be a little worried that maybe Elliott does eventually get suspended. But I guess I guess Morris is the guy now you're going to target there. And you speak about Des Bryant throwing up to him. Dak Prescott, like he was okay. I told you a couple episodes ago, I thought he might have a bounce, uh, 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 might bounce this year a little bit, a sophomore season. He had Bryant open twice in the end zone on, a, on an early drive, and he overshot him by about five yards two both times. So for me, that connection of Prescott and Bryant, it's not there. Elliott was Elliott. He did what he had to do, over 120-something yards rushing. He even caught about 70 yards, 80 yards passing. So he was the, stir that's, uh, the straw that stirred that drink. But if he does get suspended or the NFL wins this appeal, the Cowboys are in trouble, too. They, yeah. I, they, neither team looked any good last night. When Dan Bailey kicks four field goals, you know, Mr. Automatic, and you got one touchdown, I mean, that, that was just that was a really unwatchable game by two teams that a lot of people are expecting a lot from. I, I think Prescott's going to be okay. I feel like his targets were on. You know, he had the touchdown to Witten. He had, I think it was Bryce Butler on a beautiful pass down the sideline. The issue was Bryant. He's trying to force the ball to Des Bryant. That's what he's trying to do, and he shouldn't do it. Des Bryant cannot separate. He is a tremendous guy in the red zone, and he's, he's a great receiver. I understand that, but he's very feast or famine. It did not surprise me his numbers last night, Scott. We talked about this. He's very up and down. He's very red zone dependent. He is not going to be a nine-catch guy. Dak Prescott should run a little bit more. They should try some screen passes. They should try a couple different things because he can't focus on Bryant. It was too much. As for Andrew Luck, I'm going to give you kudos again, my friend. You called it. You said it. You brought it up. He's going to be gone for at least six games, maybe more. I got him sitting on the IR spot in our league that we got, I may just drop him. This is not going to turn to a Josh Gordon situation where I'm lighting a novena every night waiting for Andrew Luck. When he comes back, how good is he going to be? That's a major issue. I will throw one thing at you, by the way. Scott, T.Y. Hilton, since he's come in the league, and he came in the league the same year as Andrew Luck, so this is relevant. He has played 68 games with Andrew Luck and 10 games without Andrew Luck. With Andrew Luck, he's averaging 15.1 PPR points per game. That's five receptions, Scott, on about eight and a half targets for 76 yards and a touchdown one every two games, right? Interesting. Out of what you would think, like out when uh, out of split, I'm using Rotoviz app here, games game app on Rotoviz, tremendous. You would think that he would be much worse. Scotty averaged 11.6 PPR points per game. He still averaged four receptions on about seven targets and 63 yards. So T.Y. Hilton is a guy that you may want to target and try to trade for because the idea that he does not produce when Andrew Luck is in there. And by the way, Scott, who are these quarterbacks? Is this Tolzien? Is this Matt Hasselbeck? I mean, who are we talking about here? We're not talking about anybody good. I, I think the... 
pendulum, the fantasy pendulum is going to swing way too much, and you can probably trade for T.Y. Hilton pretty cheaply. When he's home, Scott, he's going to be decent. I'm not saying he's going to be a, a wide receiver one, but he's a solid wide receiver two option at home no matter who's quarterback, and that's what the stats say. Yeah, I mean, if you have any interest in T.Y. Hilton, you're going to be able to buy low on him right now. Um, as far as luck goes, listen, if this goes six to eight weeks, yeah, then they start thinking he might not even come back, period, because where are the Colts going to be in six to eight weeks? What if the Colts are sitting there, you know, two and six after eight weeks? Are you really going to bring Andrew Luck back after being out half the season with a shoulder injury? I this, this you know, if it drags on longer and longer, you eventually may want to drop him from the IR spot, you know, even though you can only replace it with another IR guy. So he's not really hurting you at the moment. But this could be a really long, long thing and a really, really long season for the Colts. T.Y. Hilton, I agree, though. That's a guy you might want to target. You're going to get him for good value. All right, good one for quarter one. Let's get into the dive now. Quarter two, Scott, let's get NFC home games. All right, my second quarter here, just like we did last week when we previewed these. Now we're going to review these games. NFC games first for the second quarter. Bears at home. They hosted the defending NFC champs, the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons with a 23-17 win. They just covered that five-and-a-half-point spread for anybody that was interested. Give me some fantasy impact here. Give me guys who produced, guys who didn't, guys who may have surprised you. Maybe somebody's on the waiver wire. I don't know. <laughs> Gosh, I'm so excited to start here, man. I'm so glad football's back. Here we go. Matt Ryan status quo. 300 yards and a touchdown. Solid performance. You start him. You're fine. Freeman and Coleman, worth paying attention. Now, Freeman did get the touchdown. He got the rushing touchdown, so it's good to see that they are trusting him in the red zone, even with Steve Sarkissian as offensive coordinator. Coleman was fine. He caught a few passes. He's going to be a solid RB2, maybe in PPR formats, but it was good to see Freeman. Now, keep in mind, the Bear defense is legit. Freeman, 12 rushes, 37 yards. Coleman, 8 rushes, 16 yards. It's not a lot of rushing. Now, as for the receiving, Julio Jones, he's going to be the focus a lot of times. He got 66 yards, 4 receptions, 10 fantasy points in PPR. Fine. Austin Hooper. How about that tout, man? I've been all over Austin Hooper. Now, listen, only two catches. I understand that. Busted coverage, the whole thing. Feast or famine? Hold on a second. No, let me defend that. Fair point, but let me defend that. Scott, he did not have a great game with reception-wise, but you you have to tell me that you're not impressed with him stiff-arming that guy. He's a tight end. How many tight ends Scott in the league would have made it into the end zone on that play? So he's an athletic guy. I think the targets are going to increase. He caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl. I think Austin Hooper is a tremendous candidate. I'm very happy for the people out there that I recommended him to. And you want my call right here? Don't sleep on Mohamed Sanu. If you're doing DraftKings this week, Scott, I want you to start Muhammad Sanu. I think Sanu is a guy who can have a very sneaky year because teams are going to be all over Julio Jones. Other guys, Gabriel, you know, a little three receptions, 36 yards, nothing much there. Now let's turn to the Bears. Mike Lennon, all right, 213 yards, one touchdown. It is what it is. Fine, you're not starting Mike Lennon. But Scott, we got to talk about the running backs in Chicago. Jordan Howard. Did now it's it's week one. I'm not gonna talk about our bet, that's irrelevant. But you said Tariq the Freak Cohen, I gotta see it first. Well, I think you saw some things there, my friend. Jordan Howard got the touchdown, but Scott, he doesn't get that touchdown. That's a massive disappointment. And by the way, I know you think he's the second coming of Jerry Rice out of the backfield. You see him drop that touchdown in the bread basket on the one yard line with eight seconds left. That is not a receiving back. Melvin Gordon would have dropped that pass, Scott. Yeah, well, listen, look, <laughs> Howard got me off to a rough start. He did score the touchdown. He averaged four, four yards a clip in the backfield. He did drop the touchdown. He caught three passes, so he you know, he was a little bit involved in the passing game. Look, Tariq Cohen, one game, he did his job. He stepped up. He proved me wrong for a week. He ran the ball five times for, what was it, 66 yards? But one of them was a 46-yard carry, so let's take that you know, 20 yards after that. 
He looked very involved in the passing game. Maybe I was wrong on Cohen. Maybe I was wrong on Howard. But why can't both of these guys be on the field at the same time? Use Cohen in the slot. Use Howard in the backfield. It may take away from Howard's production. But if Howard gets those touchdowns, like you said, gets those goal line touches, he had 38 snaps. Cohen had 28. So it looks like we're going to get a little bit of a 50-50, maybe 55-45 share. It's only week one. I'm not going to freak about Jordan Howard yet. We don't know how your boy Melvin Gordon's doing yet. We'll know when we talk Thursday. But right now, okay, Howard makes me look bad, but it's only week one. Do you know Scotty changed his name to LeGarrette Howard? Because that's basically what he's going to be. Because they're going to be, I'm telling you this, there's going to be negative game script in Chacago. They are not going to be able to pound the Rockies between the tackers, tackles grinder. And you touted, correctly so, that Jordan Howard was more involved in the passing game last year than people are giving him credit for. The point is, he is not going to be anymore. And I think that's going to hurt his value. However, he did get a touchdown. So if you haven't been standing, you were happy with that. Cohen was the leading receiver out of the backfield. You know who disappointed here, Scott? Kendall Wright. Kendall Wright was a guy. I played him in DraftKings. A lot of people played him. Three catches, 34 yards. Zach Miller, four catches, 39 yards. Really no one else. So I think Wright will be the guy. But Tariq Cohen, eight receptions, 47 yards, and a touchdown. Five rushes, 66 yards. Tariq the freak. It was Falcons 23, Bears 17. I have a one quick injury note of this. Some guy can't stay healthy. Kevin White hurt again. He's out for the season, it looks like, with a fractured collarbone, I believe. So maybe that even adds more playing time for Cohen. But maybe... In the slot position, keeps Howard on the field, keeps them both there. Could be a dynamic one-two punch for the Bears. Absolutely. Let me kick it to you now. Second game. Second game, one of the most exciting games of the week. And Scott, if you notice, man, wasn't a lot of high scoring here. You know, in the standard league we're in, normally a lot of people get over 100. It's a very low scoring week overall, but one of the best games was the Lions 35, the Cardinals 23. Break it down, fantasy impact for us. Yeah, I mean, this game might have surprised a lot of people. The Lions look like they came out and made a statement week one at home against a very good Cardinal defense with 35-23 win. Let's talk about it from the Cardinal side. Carson Palmer looked old to me. 269 yards, did draw a touchdown through three picks. Looked a little bit slow behind center there. To me, was not. I got to get rid of the to me's. Didn't look too good. I'm sure a couple of people may have started him. He's probably on the bench for most people's leagues. But Palmer was a guy who disappointed overall. 269 yards with those three interceptions loom large. The big news, we talked about it earlier in the news and notes, David Johnson, 11 carries, 23 yards, got hurt. He's going to be out a long time here. Your boy Kern Williams did scoop up that touchdown, only ran for five yard, five carries for 10 yards. I'm sure he'll be the popular waiver wire pick. Remember, I'm telling you, go Ellington, you say Williams, we'll see how that plays out. Receiving Fitz, Larry Fitzgerald, you know, continues to do what he does, six catches for 74 yards. He's going to be a start every week. David Johnson, until he got hurt, had his six catches for 68 yards. So he was making a PPR impact. He may not have been running the ball against the Lion defense, but he sure was catching the ball until he got hurt there. J.J. Nelson probably emerged to be maybe the number two. I don't know. because we, we thought it was John Brown, Jerron Brown. One of the Browns was going to be number two. But J.J. Nelson turned out to be the guy five for 43 with a touchdown. And again, I, I talked about Andre Ellington. 20 snaps, two catches, 35 yards. Look for him going forward to make an impact, especially if they don't go out and sign somebody else. They probably will, but I think that person they signed will be just for for depth. John Brown got four catches, 32 yards. I think you got to wait and see on John Brown. I mean, I'm sure he was played on a couple of teams. He came out, really wasn't effective. You know, had his four catches, but I think there's one of those guys you may want to sit next week, see if he gets a little more involved in the offense. Jermaine Gresham, no one's really starting Jermaine Gresham, three catches for 15 yards. So I missed on Jordan Howard. Let's go to someone I didn't miss on. I told you a couple weeks ago in one of our earlier episodes, I was big on Matt Stafford, compared him in an article to Phillip Rivers. How about Matthew Stafford coming out, throwing for four touchdowns, 292 yards, and only one interception? Big game for Matthew Stafford after he gets that monstrous contract to make him the highest-paid player in the league. 
The running game, question marks again here. Amir Abdullah, 15 carries, only 30 yards. Dwayne Washington was the backup here, getting six carries for 22. Theo Riddick got one carry for negative one. And where was Zach Zetter? Did he play? Was he inactive? No, Zach Zetter was nowhere to be found. Yeah, but Scott, I'm going to jump in on this one right here real quick. The folks give up on the Amir Abdullah situation. I don't want to hear about it anymore. Amir Abdullah, there are much better options than Amir Abdullah. When you have two running backs and you, it, it may be, Scott, you want to use Abdullah in a flex role as an RB. Amir Abdullah is a, is a couple of these guys. You would much rather have, I would much rather have Terrence West than Amir Abdullah because I don't know if Abdullah is getting the goal line carries. Riddick's in the game. Game flow. Abdullah did not look great. That is a guy I think you should stay away from. He is not going to be catching seven balls a game. That's Theo Riddick's role. Dwayne Washington looked really good. Abdullah is not getting the goal line carries. I'm taking. I'm marking it right now. He was ki- his kickoff returns a couple of years ago. No way. He's not a guy for me unless you really are attracted to players that play between the twenties and don't get the touchdowns. Did you want Terrence West pre or post Danny Woodhead? Danny Woodhead injury over Amir oh, Abdullah. Oh, Scott, I drafted Terrence West ahead of Amir Abdullah in multiple leagues, and now with Danny Woodhead gone, I love him even more. I understand that Buck Allen could be an issue. I want goal line running backs. There's so much uncertainty in the fantasy running back position. I want the goal line guy. I am not going out and getting Duke Johnson in PPR if I can find a goal line back like a Terrence West. Now, listen, if West doesn't get the goal line carries, all bets are off. But Abdullah's not getting them. I'm telling you that right now. You might be right on that. Well, let's go to wide receivers. Golden Tate surprised a lot of people he was overlooked in a lot of drafts he went further than he probably should have i think we went into this thinking that patrick peterson would line up against golden tate well we were wrong golden tate 10 10 catches on 12 targets for 107 yards marvin jones got the dubious distinction of dealing with patrick peterson jones did score a touchdown but only had two catches for 37 yards i think the big surprise here or maybe not a surprise we saw some preseason hype and hope on kenny galladay well you know what he had seven targets. He caught four balls for 69 yards. Did a spectacular catch for a touchdown. Two touchdowns it was in the game. So maybe Kenny, Kenny Galladay is going to be a key waiver wire pickup, I'm sure. Uh, TJ Jones contributed two catches, 32 yards. You're not playing TJ Jones. Back to Theo Riddick, like you mentioned. Involved in the passing game, had six catches, only 27 yards. He did get that touchdown. And Abdullah, like you said, minimal action in the passing game, three catches for 11 yards. And maybe the biggest no-show of them all on this team was a guy you've been down on. You stressed it, Eric Ebron. Oh, dear Lord, Two catches catches for nine yards in a game where his team scored 35 points and his quarterback threw for 300 yards and four touchdowns. Eric Ebron, a big-time no-show for a guy who thinks he could be a Pro Bowl. Scott, fantasy is not hard. And listen, you're listening to us right now, folks. And if you are, please follow us. Follow me at Randall Rant, R-A-N-D-L-E Rant. Follow Scott at S-C-O-T-557. And you can follow the podcast as well on... P-U-T Blitz. All right. And here's the thing. There's no universal, Scott. There's no universal in life. Coaches always tell the truth. Coaches always lie. Reports are always true. Reports lie. What you have to do is use your fantasy football acumen to interpret which reports to ignore and which not to. There was a report, Scott, that came out on Twitter that said Patrick Peterson was going to shadow Golden Tate. I have never played football professionally. I have never coached football. I watch football on my sofa. You know what, Scott? That's a lie. He was not following Golden Tate in the slot. I have not seen Patrick Peterson stay in the slot on Golden Tate. He was on Marvin Jones. Now, Marvin Jones still caught a touchdown pass, but Scott, he only had two, for 37. Two, yeah, two targets in the whole game, and he happened to catch one. So he was on Marvin Jones most of the game. Kenny Galladay, seven targets. You talked about two touchdowns. Now, listen, let's not go crazy on Kenny Galladay, okay? Let's not do a knee-jerk reaction in week one. I think he's a very solid player. I like him, but the person who comes out of the receiving game here, 12 targets, 
10 receptions, PPR monster, Golden Tate. And you know why? Because they're not going to Eric Ebron in the slot. Just because he's a tight end, he is soft. He hasn't done a good job there. Golden Tate's there, down on Eric Ebron. No interest. I called it, and I'm happy about it. Woo! Uh, you know, just like we don't want to get nuts on week one in Galilee, we're not going to overdo it on Ebron week one, but I'll tell you, for a guy that had some high high prospects and was drafted as a top-tier tight end, that was a real big no-show. But there were a lot of tight ends that didn't show. There's a one big-name tight end that didn't show. We'll get to that later on. Uh, let's go game three in the NFC. This was an NFC East showdown. We questioned this line on this game a little bit as to why the road team was favored going into Washington and that road team being the Eagles. I guess we got told taught a lesson here as to you know we were wrong. They were right. Eagles went into Washington. Talk about that one. Yeah, totally got this one wrong. This is one of my picks, Scott, that I had, and I was totally way off base on it. The Eagles played very, very well, but I have to throw out some caveats here, okay, because let's not blow this one out of portion. And you just said it before, man. Some of the things that happen here, I think, are worth noting. Some of the things happen here, you feel are worth noting, and some things we ignore. And that's what we're given, and we hope that the listeners out there figure out for themselves which one they're going to choose and which they're not. Carson Wentz, very solid. 307 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Certainly was solid. I will tell you this. He did a nice job. I'm not going to overreact. 26 of 39 was real solid. I'm not sure I'm buying him yet as a guy that you can start every week as your quarterback. Rushing. LeGarrette Blunt, 14 for 46. You know why that is? He's not good at football. Wendell Smallwood, only four carries that disappointed me. Darren Sproles was hurt a little bit in warm-ups. There was a gif of him out there possibly jumping around. I think that affected him a little bit in this game. Didn't have a lot of rushes. You called Zach Ertz. Round of applause for you. Well, thank you. Well, thank well, you. Got one right. Well done there. Eight receptions, eight targets. He caught every one of them for 93 yards. Nelson Aguilar. Can we call the brakes on Nelson Aguilar? Scott, he caught a 54-yard bomb. All right, so he had six receptions, 86 yards. He's fine. He is not a guy that you're picking up and running to the waiver wire and blowing your waiver claim on. Can we relax with that one? Nice catch, but let's take it easy. Darren Sproles, five for 43. Alshon Jeffrey Scott, I screamed it from the high tops. I told people not to start him. You want to, don't, people don't want to listen to me. It's fine. I don't care about the two-point conversion. Give me a break. He was three for 38. Washington. Little concerned about this. I think they'll turn it around, though. Kirk Cousins was not good. 23 of 42, 40 yards, one touchdown, one interception. The rushing game. Here's another guy, Scott, I think we should all buy on, Rob Kelly. He's the only game in town there. He had 10 rushes, 30 yards. It wasn't his fault. When he had some openings there, he did a decent job. Philadelphia has a very, very good defense. Samaja P. Ryan didn't get on the field. So I think Rob Kelly's another buy low guy. Rob Kelly is a guy, Scott, that I would like over Amir Abdullah because he's going to get the goal line carries. Yes or no? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say he's going to get the goal on carries, and I think we got a little more clarity on this backfield. I don't, I don't even think P. Ryan was active, to be honest with you. I think he was inactive for this game. So if he wasn't active and Kelly's going to be the guy, I mean, Chris Thompson, he got some touches. He was on the field a little bit there as well. But if there's some clarity here and Kelly's going to be the true number one guy, then, of course, you want him over Abdullah because Abdullah's in a crowded backfield. Uh, a couple of the by-low guys. Terrell Pryor had a bomb drop right through his hand, Scott. He had six for 66, but he had 11 targets, and he's going to connect with Kirk Cousins. Don't worry about that. Uh, Ryan Grant actually impressed. Four receptions, 61 yards. He had some some acrobatic catches for them there. Jordan Reed, forget it. Drop Jordan Reed. Don't play Jordan Reed. Report is that he has a broken toe. No interest. Five catches, 36 yards. As many other fantasy tight ends out there I'd much rather have. I'd have Jesse James over him right now, Scott, because he's always injured. But the guy I think you should really look to pick up is Jamison Crowder. He had a hip flexor injury. I think he had a fumble, too. Only three receptions for 14 yards. Scott, he's got to play because they don't have anyone else there. So he's a guy that I would also t- 
target as well. So Eagles 30, Redskins 17. I do like the Eagles defense. I think they're very, very good, but I think they get tested going to Kansas City next week. And by the way, the Eagles also lost Jason Peters, left tackle, who went out with an injury. That's worth noting because going into KC, Scott, with that defense, after what they did to the Patriots, I think the Eagles could be in a rough spot next week. But overall, good win for Philadelphia. Vegas got it right. And right now, Mike's winning one nothing as Melvin Gordon with a touchdown catch. Oh, what? oh, he catches, Scott. Oh, I didn't know. He actually catches. Oh, hey, he's been he's been pretty much the focal point of this offense. I'll, it's only week one. Let's relax. I'll, I'll let you take this next one. The big survival win for me: Rams forty six, Colts nine. Scott Wade Phillips in uh, a, on a team as the defensive coordinator in year one is fantasy defense gold. Take it away. Yeah, Mike, you were on this one for a while. I jumped on the bad wagon last week as well with you on this, but you, you've had this one pegged for a little bit. You know, let's start with the Colts, their road team. You know, Tolzien came in, was beat up a lot, 128 yards passing, no touchdowns, two interceptions. Second half, they decided to go with Jacoby Brissett. Not much better, threw for 51 yards. I think he only threw the ball three times. Um, I think a little bit of question marks to come out of here is at the backfield. This looks like a running back by committee now. Frank Gore is getting up there in age. You're after 10 carries, 42 yards, but Marlon Mack was featured a little bit here as well. The young rookie, so he might be the guy to really want to focus on in that cold backfield, maybe with a little bit of PPR potential. Ten carries, only 24 yards. He did score a touchdown. Robert Turbin, two carries of seven yards. You're not doing anything with Robert Turbin. Like I said, T.Y. Hilton, he got his targets. He only got three catches, 57 yards. He's the buy-low candidate, like you said. Feast of Famine, Dante Moncrief, one catch for 50 yards. Jack Doyle was a little disappointing. I expected a little more out of Jack Doyle, especially with Scott Tolzien initially starting a quarterback. And even with Brissett in there, I looked at him as maybe being a, a guy that, you know, could can get down the middle of the field and be a little bit of a safety net for these quarterbacks that, you know, don't have that experience. Two for 41, give him another week or two. Marlon Mack had a catch for 21, one catch for 21 yards. And Frank Gore caught one ball for 10 yards. Long story short here, the Colts are in trouble. Social media is already Twitter, Twitter universe, the Facebook universe. Everybody's calling for Colin Kaepernick again. I mean, every time a quarterback struggles or a quarterback is no good or backup quarterback doesn't get the job done, we're going to hear Kaepernick talk all year long. I don't see Kaepernick going to the Colts. I think we talked about this earlier. I think you know, we initially thought it might be, but at this point, I don't even think it's worth bringing him in, only because this season might be a lost season from the get-go. Ram side, you called it on that defense. I'll start with the defense, and I'll go back to the offense. The defense is all over the place. Two touchdowns, interceptions, sacks, fumble recoveries. The defense swarmed these inexperienced Colts quarterbacks. Just a dominant performance. Put up 28 to 30 points in PPR leagues, depending on what type of leagues you're in. They were just dominant, led the way. Great survivor pick by you. I wish I would have jumped ship. I'd still be alive. Instead, I'm watching from my couch now the rest of the way after week one. Offense, how about Jared Goff? All right, he took a lot of heat last year. Number one overall pick. When he got in, he looked terrible. Now, I know this is a Colts defense that had Novante Davis. They were banged up. They're not, you know, they're not the 85 Bears. Jared Goff is going to be one of the top three rated quarterbacks at the end of week one. If I would have told you at the start of the season, you would have laughed at me. 306 yards, he drew for a touchdown, he looked solid, he looked composed, he looked like he had a handle on this thing. Let's see a couple more games out of Jared Goff. If he continues to go this way, maybe he becomes a streaming candidate down the road for you at quarterback because he looked really, really good. Todd Gurley, he looked better than the numbers state, to me, anyway. Only got 40 yards on 90 carries, he did score, but he just seemed to be much more involved in the offense. He looked to be running with a purpose. So I think we might get the good tag early this year. Malcolm Brown, seven carries. He got a garbage time touchdown with 16 yards. Tavon Austin got a couple of carries like he normally does, only did 11 yards with it. On the receiving end, talked about him also in one of our earlier episodes, preseason sensation. Cooper Cup, four catches, 76 yards on a touchdown. He was involved in that offense. He was targeted often. 
by Jared Goff. So he might be somebody that's going to be on the waiver wire. I believe he is only in Yahoo leagues. He's only 26% owned. That's going to increase after week one's waiver pickups for sure. He will be a guy people are going to be targeting. Sammy Watkins, first game with a new team. Sometimes you see those those guys not really get involved much, kind of learning the offense. He had five catches, 58 yards. So Sammy Watkins might be a good fit in there, especially if Goff is throwing the ball well. So Watkins might be able to give you wide receiver two numbers the rest of the year. I wouldn't put him at a wide receiver one yet, but wide receiver two for sure. And again, Gurley, like I said, only 40 yards on the ground, but involved in the passing game. Five catches for 56 yards. He was really involved all day long. He looked like a guy trying to rebound and prove that his rookie season wasn't a fluke. And I believe it. I believe the hype going in. I think we might have a big bounce back here from Gurley. Robert Woods, Watkins' old teammate in Buffalo, three catches for 53 yards. He'll be somebody you could target once in a while when you need a bi-week replacement. But I think Watkins, Cup, may be the guys you want to look at. Woods will get his touches as well. And Gerald Everett, tight end, one catch for 39 yards. The story of this game was the Colts quarterback stink. The Wade Phillips Ram defense was ready to go. I think Todd Gurley is going to have a nice bounce back. Jared Goff, thoroughly impressed. And Cooper Cup, do you buy the Cooper Cup hype? Or is it only one week? No, nah, I don't buy. There's only one week. Uh, listen, Cooper Cup's fine. Robert Woods is going to get more targets on that offense. He had five targets. Cooper Cup had six. He had 53 yards. Cooper Cup had 76 in the touchdown. Sammy Watkins, I agree with you, is going to be better than people think. Todd Gurley, the running will come around, but he did, was very active in the passing game that I like. As far as Indianapolis goes, I'm off the Frank Gore bandwagon. I love Frank Gore, but it's time to go in a different direction because this team's not going to be good if Andrew Luck's not there, which means the game script is going to be negative, Scott, which means it's going to be passing. It's Marlon Mack. Even Robert Turbin got to go line carry so Frank Gar get rid of him don't even look at him Gary Goff could be interesting and by the way at home I have no problem if Jacoby Brissett's throwing that ball he hit the bomb to Moncrief I have no problem going for T.Y. Hilton all right next game on the dock I might throw this one to you this game I expected a lot more out of this game than we actually got this was one of those duds you know this was built up on paper this looked like a good opening week matchup Seattle in Green Bay Packers win this game 17 to 9 but we got a lot of question marks coming out of this game a lot of who is where are we going what who do we target Quarterback play was shaky on one side. Aaron Rodgers did his thing. And I think Ty Montgomery separated himself and showed he's a legit running back. But talk to me about this Packers-Seahawks game that, in my opinion, disappointed. I'd be happy to, Scott. Let's start with Seattle. Russell Wilson's going to be fine. I don't know why the Seahawks, Scott, never addressed the offensive line. I have no idea why they don't draft one. They need it. It's a problem every year. He's running for his He's running for his life, but they didn't play well in Green Bay last year when the game was, so he's going to be okay. He had 40 rushing yards, which is nice. As far as the backfield, Eddie Lacy, no interest. Maybe maybe the goal line guy, who knows, but Chris Carson looked really good. I will say this, if Thomas Rolls comes back, Thomas Rolls could take a stranglehold in this, on this running job because Lacey did nothing. It was a revenge game. It was one of the worst revenge games I put on Twitter that I've ever seen. Adrian Peterson wasn't much better tonight either, but CJ Procise was okay. Carson looks good to be still an undrafted free agent, Scott, and this is the last year Thomas Rolls' is, uh, contract, so I think they're going to give him a shot. So if you're interested in that backfield, one of them will evolve. I just don't, it's not going to be Lacey, that's for sure. Doug Ball Baldwin did a nice job. They target. They were really all over him, but four receptions, 63 yards. Paul Richardson, Richardson, Scott, that's not a position in Seattle's offense that usually gets a lot of targets, the wide receiver too, because of Jimmy Graham, but they did shut down Jimmy Graham. Richardson was a viable option there, four for 59. Now, going over to Green Bay, I have a lot of thoughts here. Number one, Aaron Rodgers next. We're not talking about it. Number two, Ty Montgomery does, I agree with you, have a chance to really be a top 12 running back. However, He does have the sickle cell trait. Now, what that means for those medical people out there is when he gets dinged up or he gets hurt, sometimes, Scott, it takes him longer to recover. I'm glad he went back in the game after that injury. If you told me that Ty Montgomery stays healthy this year, 
Scott, I think he's a top six running back in fantasy. But I am worried about him getting injured. I'm a little nervous about that. But he got 19 carries. Jamal Williams had two. It's not even worth the discussion. It's just a matter of whether you buy into his health. If you don't, Scott, you may want to trade him right now. But if he stays healthy, he's going to be tremendous. Last receivers, and then I'll get your thoughts. You know I have a soft spot for Randall Cobb. <laughs> 13, you, you sure thir- do. We talked about your man crush. 13 targets, 9 receptions, 85 yards. Did a great job. It's exactly what I thought it would. They're going to concentrate on Jordy Nelson, right? Devontae Adams can't get open one-on-one. And so Randall Cobb was able to run free. Although Lane did get kicked out after punching that guy. So if Lane stayed in there, I don't know how well that would have went. But that was something to think about. Jordy on the broken play. Scott, does any quarterback do the broken play or the free play better than Aaron Rodgers? Jordy Nelson and him are simpatico. He goes right down the field, seven receptions, 79 yards, and got the touchdown. Devontae Adams, let me ask you this. Who's better end of season, Cobb or Adams? That's a tight one. Uh, too too early to tell. I'm still going to lean towards Devontae Adams. I think the younger, more explosive Adams, I think he'll be the guy that they'll he'll finish they'll both finish behind Nelson, but I think Adams will still finish as number two. It was a good game for it was a good game for Cobb. He looked good. He got to shy away from Richard Sherman. He was get got open. I would still lean Adams towards the end of the year. I'm gonna lean at Randall Cobb, but I think it's close. But the fact that it's close also helps Cobb. Here's one for you. Folks, if you can trade Eric Ebron for Martellus Bennett, you do it and you do it right away. That was a very tough defense. Bennett had to block a little bit. He is. He showed some things. He made some nice receptions. Three catches, forty-three yards. He was targeted six times. If you can make that trade, Scott, you do it, and you pr- you crack open a beverage and you celebrate. That's a guy I want to target. What are your thoughts on Green Bay, Seattle? I, I like I said, I think Ty Montgomery, if he can stay healthy, has a chance to be a top top six, top seven PPR guy for sure. I mean, he grabbed four catches out of the backfield. He ran fifty-four hard yards against a Seattle Seahawks defensive front. That's still very good. He got in the end zone. Cobb impressed me with the nine catches, 85 yards. I don't think that'll be the norm. I think he'll be more of a five, six catch guy on a weekly basis, which is still fine for a wide receiver too, which is what he still can be. I like Adams better long-term. Jordy Nelson, when he's healthy, is Jordy Nelson. I mean, he's just, it's a, he's, he's an underrated receiver. He doesn't get as much love as he should, especially in the fantasy world. He just produces, but he has trouble staying healthy. We know that. Like you said, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. Even against the Seattle defense in a game that was not moving along, he still puts up 311 yards. So for me, I'm yeah, I'm not gonna say worried about anybody on the Seattle side, but I mean they had nice weather. It was a it was a nice day out there. The the game plan looked bad, and like you said, they didn't address the offensive line, and that's a problem. And we're gonna get to another team in a little while that didn't address the offensive line either, and it just raised, you, you scratch your head because you have teams with quarterbacks that can get you far in the playoffs. Why would you not want to protect these guys? I mean, this is the reason Andrew Luck's not playing right now because he gets beat up with an offensive line. And then you got a guy like Russell Wilson who is great under pressure. Don't get me wrong. The guy can play the game under pressure. He's running around. He scrambles. He knows how to make plays. But he shouldn't be doing that all game long. And that's and that's a, it's a Packer defense. The front's decent, but overall it's not a good defense. And he was running for his life, and the numbers show it. He took 158 yards with no scores. He didn't throw any picks. I mean, his legs were moving. He ran for 40 yards on only two carries, but it's only one week, so I won't get too worried about that. I think the I think the running back we talked about this too. That's wide open. Thomas Rawls is healthy. He'll probably get first crack, but you got to be impressed with what you saw from Chris Carson. Eddie Lacy is just throw him away. I don't even care if he gets goal line touches. He's just not, he has no long term value to me. He's not going to get ten touch ten touchdowns. He had a shot in a game that they labeled revenge game, like you said. He was non-existent. He wasn't even on the field. And more than, you know, what, 10, 12% of the time. Chris Carson, they rolled with him. He was involved in the passing game. So if Rawls is out a couple weeks, Carson's going to be picked up on the waiver wire. He's going to be the guy to target. Pro Sice might get a little more touches, but 
please. Eddie Lacy, just toss him out for me. Yeah. Paul Richardson was a guy I gave out on DFS. I thought four catches, 59 yards. I think he's going to make an impact down the stretch, so it's a guy to watch as well. Doug Baldwin will be fine. And, uh, yeah, so that's my those those are my thoughts on that game, which I thought was over very very disappointing. Next one we got Scott Carolina twenty three, San Francisco three. Frisky road team, you liked them. I agreed with you. I thought it was a frisky one. Panthers dominated from start to finish. Give us fancy impact for Panthers Niners. Yeah, really not much impact here. I got this one wrong. I thought the Niners could win this game out, right? Cam Newton, you know they they went easy with him, one hundred seventy one yards, two touchdowns. If he gets healthy, he can be an impact. I'm still not sold on him. I thought the big the big. The big thing here that we take out of this was the, was the running backs. I mean, Jonathan Stewart got his touches, 18 carries, 65 yards. But Christian McCaffrey was all over in this game as well. He ran about ball 13 times for 47 yards, and he caught five passes for 38. I know the yardage is not huge, and the touchdowns aren't huge, but they really had McCaffrey. Like, they were feeding him the ball. They We heard that they had a set of plays set for him, and they did. He was involved a lot, but Jonathan Stewart got involved as well. So that's one of those, you know, if you had McCaffrey, you should have drafted Stewart things because now you got the true one-two punch there. Um, receiving wise, really nothing to talk about here. I mean, Calvin Benjamin was non-existent. Devin Funches was non-existent. Greg Olson was non-existent. This was just one of those games. A lot of field goals. Russell Shepard led the way with 53 yards at a touchdown. No one's drafting Russell Shepard. Jonathan Stewart caught a touchdown pass, so that's good for Stewart owners. He didn't get the goal line touch, but he got a touchdown pass. San Francisco side, I was DFS. I was all over Brian Hoyer. I got that one wrong. Listen, I took a shot, took a swing here. I swung and missed. 193 yards, no touchdowns. You're not playing Brian Hoyer in season long anyway. Carlos Hyde seemed to be the guy here. There was some talk about this Matt Brietta getting involved, but Hyde you know, got nine carries, 45 yards, was also involved with six catches in the passing game. Pierre Garçon, nice debut with his new team, six catches, 81 yards. Marquise Goodwin looked like feast of famine, even though he had a touchdown pass. He had it. Ho- he dropped it. He Ho- had Ho- it. No, he, he, had didn't, it. he didn't drop it. He didn't drop it. Hoyer overshot him. Oh, I thought Hoyer you were- overshot him by about two, three yards, unless there's another one that I may have missed watching it, but he, Hoyer, Goodwin had about five yards of separation, and Hoyer missed him by about three yards. That would have been a 65-yard touchdown, so that was a feast of famine shot there. You know, wasn't really thoroughly impressed by Carolina. They went on the road. They beat a team they should beat. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm a little hesitant on McCaffrey. Okay, I understand the 13 rushes, but he also fumbled it and come back in the game after that. I think Jonathan Seward's going to get more rushing yards. I think McCaffrey's a good PPR option, but I don't know if Christian McCaffrey is quite ready yet to carry the load that they gave him. This is a bad San Francisco team, and he wasn't great. By the way, Scott, another point of interest, Cam Newton only 14-25. to Wasn't great in this game with the completion percentage. I do think they have a big game next week. Matt Breida, not worth it right now. Carlos Hyde's a guy you may want to try to acquire because it seems like he's going to get some catches as well. All right, I'm going to kick you to another game that actually just really disappointed. I mean, you waited all day for Sunday night as the jingle goes, but this game was just terrible. Cowboys, Giants, Cowboys win this game 19 to 3. Yeah, I'll have my thoughts after you, but, you know, you watch this game. We all waited to watch this game. The hype was there. And my brother flew down from up, up north to go down to this game in Dallas, and as a Giant fan, he's thoroughly disappointed. So, yeah, talk to me about the Giants, Cowboys, and what was just a real, real. Yawn job. Start with the Giants. Eli Manning, regular season. This is Eli Manning. Up and down, you know, some good moments, then an interception. It's just what he does. Rushing, Paul Perkins is terrible. Get him off the field. Don't have him on your fantasy team. Arlene's Darkwood may do some decent things. He may get the goal line work. As far as the receiving, I don't know why he couldn't find Brandon Marshall. He was targeted four times, one reception, 10 yards. He said, you know, it's going to be hard following up Ryan Fitzpatrick. He wishes he had Ryan Fitzpatrick right now, and at least that Jet offense. Sterling Shepard may be a, a nice play. He had eight targets, Scott, seven receptions. 
receptions, 44 yards. So on PPR was fine. Evan Ingram, not interested in because he can't block. Shane Vereen, nine receptions, 51 yards. He's a guy that's going to, I think, out-touch Perkins. He may get some rushes as well. Kicking it over to the Cowboys. Dak Prescott was okay, 24 of 39. It's not fantastic, but he did make some nice throws along the way. And the thing with Prescott, Scott, is he is going to have some rushing yards. At 24 rushing yards, it's not a ton, but that's enough to make up for one interception if he were to have had one. 268 yards, one touchdown. He managed the game. Gave you about 20 fantasy points in a week, Scott, where there weren't really a lot of big quarterbacks that scored. Ezekiel Elliott, worth his weight in gold. If you waited and got him in the second round, you got a steal. Provided he doesn't get suspended, he's getting the ball all the time. He also plays passing downs. He's one of the few running back ones that also plays the passing downs. They need, Scott, a second receiver to step up. Des Bryant had nine targets, only caught two balls. Prescott a little erratic. Des Bryant's not great with separation. They also are going to really focus on him. We talked about Des Bryant has that first slate of games, Scott, where that cornerback matchups are terrible for him. So whether it's Terrence Williams, Cole Beasley, Bryce Butler, someone's going to have to step up in that other role. Jason Witten, of course, had a great game. Another excellent call by you. Clapping again. I did not like Jason Witten. You were right on the money with it. He caught a touchdown, had seven receptions, so an excellent PPR game for Jason Witten. Yeah, I got my tight ends right real quick on this game. This this game was just terrible to watch from the get-go. The giant offensive line still stinks. Another team that should have addressed it, they didn't. Eric Flowers is terrible. John Jerry's no good. The, the offensive line is just, it, it's not any good. Eli Manning, when they finally got in the rhythm, they got a field goal, they got the ball back, they had a chance to get it closer. He drew a typical Eli Manning pick at the double coverage, and that was the end of that. He got happy feet. I'm with you on Paul Perkins. Just get rid of him. I think Shane Vereen will be the guy, especially in PPR leagues that you want to target, especially if they're passing a lot. Cowboy side, Elliott did his thing. You still got to worry about the suspension. Um, the big question here, we said McFadden inactive. Why McFadden didn't play? We don't know. No but idea. Mo- no idea. You know, so maybe Morris is going to be the guy if Elliott goes down. But again, this game just... Start to finish was just disappointing. And I wasn't thoroughly impressed with the Cowboys either. I know they won the game, but they didn't look that sharp either. But this was just a bad game. Start to finish for both teams. Cowboys get the win. That's all that matters. And kick it off here, last NFC home game, the one tonight. The Sam Bradford's going to the Hall of Fame, Scott. Talk to me about Vikings 29, New Orleans Saints 19. Hey, listen, the atmosphere up in Minnesota tonight was fantastic. The Viking fans brought it. This game was Really, really entertaining start to finish for me. They they even acted as if Adrian, Adrian Peterson never was a Viking. He first first stepped on the field. There was no reaction, no booze, no cheers, no nothing. It was just like, hey, another running back there, so be it. Peterson really not involved at all in this game. Yeah, people build this as a revenge game for Adrian Peterson going into Minnesota with the Saints. Really, really not involved. He was involved early, but kind of fizzled at the end. Only six carries for 18 yards. Story of this game is the Viking offense. Minnesota, Sam Bradford, this is the guy that people wanted to see years ago when he was drafted. He came out in this game, put up a 143 quarterback rating, 346 yards, three touchdowns. I know he wasn't owned by many people. I know you started them in one of your leagues, so that's a good, good move by you. Really big effort from Bradford. And how about the Viking receivers? I'll get to the running backs in a minute. Adam Thielen, nine catches for 157 yards. Both of us have been on him all podcasts, all throughout our pot, short podcast history here. We're big fans of Adam Thielen. Stefan Things, seven catches, 93 yards, two touchdowns. Kyle Rudolph caught a touchdown on 26 yards. I think the big surprise here is in the running game. Dalvin Cook proved to me he is the number one guy. There's no question about it. I know it's only week one. It's a bad Saint defense. Dalvin Cook, 22 carries, 107 yards, 20, 127 yards. Sets a Viking rookie rushing record you know, all time for the Vikings there. That game sealed that with a 33-yard run to end it. 
Big question mark here was Latavius Murray. First carry, fumbled the ball. It was recovered by the Vikings. They got to keep it, but only two carries for six yards, so it didn't look like much of a split here. Jarek McKinnon had a lot more action than Murray did. He only ran the ball three times for five yards, but he did catch three passes for 32, so maybe McKinnon, not Murray, is the is the handcuff guy for Dalvin Cook, but this looks like Dalvin Cook's team. It's only one game. It was a bad Saint defense, but Dalvin Cook was very impressive. He even caught three passes for 10 yards, so that's the guy you want to target. Flip over to the Saints side. Drew Brees was Drew Brees, 291 yards, only got in the end zone for one, one time. The Saints had chances. They had three field goals, 25 yards or less, just could not punch it in. They lose this game 29-19. Again, we got Peterson, six carries, 18 yards. Alvin Kamara involved a lot more than maybe we expected. Seven rushes for 18 yards. He caught four passes for 20 yards. Uh, Mark Ingram, only six carries, 17 yards, so limited action there. So there was a lot of Kamara and Ingram and less Peterson in this game. So And Peterson didn't look happy. If you watch this game on the sidelines, when he was standing on the sidelines late in this game, not getting the ball, he did not look like someone who was happy with his role, even though he knew what his role was going to be going there. So that's something to watch. Maybe Alvin Kamara is your handcuff with Mark Ingram. It's, it's a, that's a tough one there in the running back situation. Receiving-wise, Colby Fleener caught the only touchdown, five passes, 54 yards. Mark Ingram was 5 for 54 out of the backfield, so Ingram was pretty solid in the passing game. Michael Thomas was a bit of a disappointment to me here. He was a big, big, big target after the Brandon Cooks trade. A lot of people targeted him as a big-time wide receiver. One, he had eight targets. He caught five balls, only 45 yards. Breeze mixes around. A lot of people got yardage. Ted Ginn, 4 for 53. Tommy Lee Lewis caught 2 for 52, including a big 52-yarder. Alvin Kamara, 4 for 20. So there was a lot of a lot of balls going around to a lot of receivers here. A mix. I think Michael Thomas will be fine. This was a tough Viking defense. Colby Fleener had a nice game with the touchdown. Um, Viking defense didn't really do much as you know as far as sacks or fumbles or interceptions, but they kept everything in check. They played well. The atmosphere was great. This was a Viking win, a nice Viking win to start the season. They'll get a tough test. They travel to Pittsburgh next week. Saints will get another. They'll get a tough test with an angry Patriot team. So. What we learned from this game was Adrian Peterson may just be Adrian Peterson no more. He may just be a guy with a couple touches a game. We learned Dalvin Cook is the leader in that backfield after week one, and that's not even a question. And we learned that the Vikings have two very, very good receivers. Stephon Diggs, a big game. Adam Thielen, a big game. He's going to be a PPR machine if he plays the way he did. And Sam Bradford, if Sam Bradford can give you what he gave you tonight, and I stress again, this was a Saint defense It's not any good. But if Bradford plays the way he did, the Vikings will be a very, very dangerous team in the NFC. All right, Mike, third quarter. Let's kick it to the AFC. This game was the first game of the year on Thursday night. We were recording our one episode while this was going on, but let's talk about it in full now. Chiefs go into Foxborough with a huge upset. No, nobody saw this coming. Everybody expected the Patriots to just handle their business, get the job done, start the year 1-0, and ho-hum, be, begin the talk of going 16-0 and like we hear every year. That did not happen. The Chiefs go into Foxborough. Big, big efforts all around on the Kansas City side. I'll let you talk about that, but they go in, beat the Patriots 42-27. Talk to me about the guys who showed up, made an impression, and the guys who no-showed. Gosh, I wonder why you kicked this game to me. So, yes, I have to admit, Mr. Hunt, well done, Kareem Hunt. (laughs) You certainly stuck it to me. Fantastic job. Kareem Hunt was awesome, Scott. 17 rushes, 148 yards, and a touchdown. Receiving five receptions, 98 yards, and two touchdowns. 
Just a fantastic effort by Kareem Hunt. And really, this game spoke to the brilliance that is Andy Reid because he schemed this game so well. Hunt seems to be one of the few running backs that's going to be involved in all three downs. Sharkhandrick West did get a touchdown, so I'm not backing off Sharkhandrick West getting involved. Garbage time. Garbage time. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on a second. He wasn't garbage time in the first half when he was doing the two-minute drill. He wasn't garbage time in the first half when he was on the field for third down. It's not like he didn't play until that point. He was on the field a lot. And we can't overreact. People think Kareem Hunt is now a lock. I have a bet with uh, my cousin for 1,300 yards. They're acting like he's going to do this every week. Guys, he could have 14 for 50 next week. Let's just take it easy. But certainly he looks okay. Sharkhandrick West is going to play a role. They're not going to give a running back who's that diminutive 300 touches this year. So I think Sharkhandrick West is a sneaky play. But certainly Hunt seems like a solid RB1. Alex Smith, four touchdowns, 28 is set 35. No one saw this coming against the Patriot defense. Alex Smith managed the game. That's your quiet the Pat Mahomes talk, don't you think? But uh, as far as receiving, Tyreek Hill, listen, Tyreek Hill is what he is. Seven receptions on eight targets, 133 yards. But Scott, if you take the 75-yard touchdown out, he's got 50 yards receiving. So I don't want to hear about Tyreek Hill being a wide receiver one. It's way too early. I think this is one that if you had Tyreek Hill, you're just very happy about. Don't tell me you think this guy's going to be an wide receiver one yet. I am not buying it. He had one bomb, and that was pretty much it. Chris Conley, nothing. Travis Kelsey will do better than five for 40. The rest of them are no-shows. Going over to the Patriots, Tom Brady Scott loses for the first time in a home opener in his entire career. When he got hit by Bernard Pollard, they did win that game, so that game was included in that stat, even though he was only in for the first quarter. Tom Brady, 16 of 36. Andy Reid's defense did a great job. Uh, 267 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. He did hit Gronkowski, though, and that wasn't a catch. So if he had that touchdown, I don't think anybody's really talking about him. I am very happy. I'm going to pat myself on the back. I give you the bad. I give you the good. Mike Gillisley, he's the goal line guy. He's the hammer. He's the LeGarrette Blunt. He is not involved in the passing game. Nicely nicely done, my friend, though, Mike Gillisley. He's the hammer. That's all it is. I'm not telling he's going to be like a a, a 1,400-yard guy or anything like that, but he's going to get the ball at the goal line. The Patriots should be at the goal line a lot. By the way, Scott, remember I told you about that line? Do you know what the line is on the Patriots Saint game? Oh, it's actually like four and a half. Yeah, Patriot might four and a half. Exactly. Anyway, uh, James White uh, also was very involved in this game. 10 carries, 38 yards. James White also had three receptions for 30 yards. He was an issue, as was Rex Burkhead. Rex Burkhead did not have a big game, Scott, but he was on the field a lot. And with the injury to Danny Amendola, who went out with yet another concussion, another injury for him, Rex Burkhead could really pick up the slack here. Chris Hogan, very disappointed, but this is a guy you want to buy low on. You and I both like Chris Hogan. I think it was just one of these one-game things. He's going to be back because with Amendola out, he was 6 for 100 on seven targets. Someone's got to get the ball. Brandon Cooks, I'm also going to pat myself on the back on. Look, 54-yard bomb outside of that. He was two receptions for 34 yards. He had seven targets. He is not a high-volume guy, Scott. He is not. He's not going to be targeted a lot in the red zone. They're going to go to Gronkowski. They're going to go to James White. They're going to do those things. So Cooks is fine, but he is not going to be a 7-8 catch guy on a week-to-week basis. He's not a wide receiver one. I didn't like where he was getting drafted. Gronkowski, Eric Berry, terrible injuries out for the rest of the year, but Berry shut down Gronkowski. Two receptions, 33 yards. Did have a touchdown, though, that unfortunately he dropped. And outside of that, it was it. But I'll tell you something. Chiefs host Eagles next week. Patriots go down to the Saints. This was a fun game, Scott. Yeah, this was an exciting game. And listen, there's a lot of Patriot haters out there. So the Patriot haters enjoyed this one. Uh, except we didn't see this one coming. I mean, I guess Alex Smith, Jared Goff, Sam Bradford are your top three rated quarterbacks after week one. If I would have told you that going in, you would have laughed at my face. I put a poll out on Twitter. What was more surprising? 
uh, Alex Smith's four touchdowns or Tom Brady's zero touchdowns. It was 62% in favor of Brady. Just one of those games, you know, the Chiefs went in and they showed they're a legit team. They beat up the Patriots. The defense, the Patriot defense was really, really unimpressive. So that could be a problem long term for them. And the injuries, Amendola was six for 100. He gets hurt again. The guy can't stay on the field. I'm with you on Hogan, you know, by low candidate. He had one bad game. If Amendola's out, he's going to have, he can only go further up the depth chart. So I think the surprise was James White getting a lot more action than probably people anticipated. A lot of talk about Gillisley and Burkhead, and James White was on the field a lot. Uh, Deion Lewis, really non-factor. So this was one of those games that, listen, Patriot haters loved it. Patriot fans will say, eh, we were due for one of those games. No big deal. We'll go 15-1. and one. Bills 21, Jets 12, Scott. A couple fantasy things here we're talking about. Uh, let everybody know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest fantasy impact here, on the, at least on the Jets side, I mean, there's no, there's no much, not much fantasy impact here, but, you know, there was a lot of talk about Bilal Powell being the clear-cut guy here for the Jets. Yeah, I don't see it. I mean, neither one of these backs, Powell or Forte, really did anything impressive. You know, seven carries, 22 yards for Powell, six for 16 for Forte, but Forte had more snaps. He's on for 35, Powell 30, so it's going to be a 50-50 snap share on a bad team. I don't want nothing to do with Bilal Powell. Josh McCown. 187 yards, two interceptions. You're not playing him. He did run a touchdown, the only Jet touchdown of the game. He rushed it in. I, you know, on a, a fantasy impact side, maybe Jermaine Curse was a good pickup here. You know, he was only here a couple weeks or maybe a week and a half. He got seven catches, 59 yards. He looked like a veteran leading the a young receiving core. So Jermaine Curse, maybe you take a flyer as a wide receiver three or five-week replacement. Could do worse. Um, yeah, but really nobody else to talk about. I mean, Will Tige, former Giant legend, three catches for 34 yards with Safarian Jenkins suspended. And then the running backs, they caught a couple passes themselves, Forte, three for 20, Powell, five for 17. Robbie Anderson, people had a, some hopes for him, four for 22. This is just one of those ho-hum games. The Bills side, Tyrod Taylor, 224, two touchdowns at a pick. He does what he did, does what he does. Decent, efficient passing game, ran the ball eight times for 38 yards. Shady was shady. Again, again, a little bit of an injury scare, I think, with McCoy there, but hopefully he's going to be fine. He did go 22 for 110. As you mentioned earlier, Mike Tolbert did gobble up that goal line carry, 12 for 42 with a touchdown. So Tolbert was involved, but I don't really need, think there's any worry with Shady as long as he's healthy. You're, he's your guy. I'll give you some credit here on Charles Clay. I think you pointed this guy out, four catches, 53 yards and a touchdown. So he was the touchdown recipient of Tyrod Taylor. Jordan Matthews. You know, new team, new offense, trying to learn it. Two catches, 61 yards. I think Jordan Matthews could be a play down the road. Give him a couple couple weeks in the system. Build a little bit of a connection with Tyrod Taylor. There's not going to be much out of here except for McCoy. And then McCoy, five catches, 49 yards. Probably a disappointment on the Bill side, Zay Jones. A lot of people talked him up. This is a rookie. There was a lot of talk. Then when Twatkins was gone, Zay Jones would be the instant number one. One catch for 21 yards. Again, this was a game that nobody expected much out of the Jets side. I think we both went in thinking the Bills didn't deserve to be a nine-and-a-half point favorite. They won the game by nine, a couple of field goals, one touchdown. So, um, for me, this was a game that's not going to have much impact long-term. And the Jet running back situation, I just stay away because if Powell isn't the guy and you're splitting splitting snaps on a bad team, they're both just not worth the play. Yeah, I agree with Powell and Forte. People forgot that Forte is still there and they're not even talking about him, which is a shame. He's got to be factored into it. LaShawn McCoy was great. One thing real quick here, Scott, Tyrod Taylor – He's a guy that I was very high on, and the injury happened. I kind of backed off a little bit with the concussion. Scott, he should have had three touchdowns and no interceptions because that ball went right through Charles Clay's hands. So if he makes it that did. pass, if Charles Clay catches that pass, he's got two touchdowns. He's one of the he's probably top three tight end after the weekend. And Tyrod Taylor should have had three touchdowns. He also had 38 yards rushing. Tyrod Taylor is a very reasonable play. I don't know if I like him in Carolina next week, Scott, but I think he's got some value. And Charles Clay is as good a tight end as any. Give me Charles Clay over Eric Ebron any day of the week. Hey, after week one, Buffalo Bills first in the AFC East. Whoops. That's crazy. 
Next game up on the docket, another team got started off real slow. They win the game, probably not by what people thought because they were a big nine-point favorite as well. Steelers, Browns, a little bit of concern here, or was it just punishment? What was it, lack of practice? Steelers beat the Browns 21-18. to Give me fantasy impact on these guys, especially one guy named Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell. Listen, Le'Veon Bell's great. We know that. The issue is you can't just miss all of preseason and just jump right back into it. It doesn't work that way. It's not like Le'Veon Bell is like Lawrence Taylor playing with first graders. I mean, I hate the comparison. I knew he was going to be rusty. I thought he would be, but he'll be fine. He's, he's an RB1. We know that. There's no reason to talk. Antonio Brown, maybe Jesus Christ, moving on. Jesse James, two touchdowns. I thought that was interesting. That may slow the Vance McDonald talk. Both you and I, especially myself, really like that. But Jesse James, two touchdowns. He's going to be an issue there. The one I love, and I will toot my own horn. I will blast it till the cows come home. Martavis Bryant, you are what you are. You are not going to get seven, eight receptions a game. You are going to get three or four catches. And if he catches a bomb, he's going to be a wide receiver too. And if he doesn't, he's going to be a wide receiver zero. He is what he is. They are not going to pepper him with targets. Eli Rogers got four receptions. Bryant's route tree is straight down the field. Scott, he is not a quick... Antonio Brown is maybe one of the top two or three route runners in the history of the National Football League. Martavis Bryant hasn't played for two years. He can't run routes like that. He's, I'm going to run deep and throw me the ball. And there's a place for that. But he's not a guy I want to rely on at all whatsoever. Big Ben on the road, solid game. 263 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Certainly on the road narrative, two touchdowns with Ben will take that. Deshaun Kaiser, he hung in there, Scott. Steelers have a really good defense. I think they have a superb defense. He did a really good job. Isaiah Crowell... 17 rushes, 33 yards. That's tough sled, and he did get a two-point conversion there. So tough sledding against the Steelers, who I think are going to be really, really good on defense. Kaiser was okay. Matthew Days really didn't do much receiving. Scott, Corey Coleman is a guy that everyone should be targeting. He had five receptions, 53 yards, and he had the touchdown. But he's their clear number one. And Kaiser's got an arm, and he's going to try to hit him down the field. Report came out today about Hugh Jackson not liking Kenny Britt, not guaranteeing that he's a starter. Well, if he's not starting, Scott, I don't know who is. Carter Lewis, but Seth DeVal, the tight end, is the second most targeted guy. Corey Coleman is a guy you should look at. Isaiah Crowell, two receptions. Duke Johnson got hurt. He's a guy you're really you're going to be cool on. And David Njoku, as much as I love him, is a first-year tight end. And that's your rundown. Yeah, I mean, just a couple of things for me here. I think Le'Veon Bell, I mean, Mike Tomlin, listen to the press conference afterwards. He blamed. He didn't really specifically say this was like a preseason thing or lack of playing time. He kind of blamed the penalties. Steelers were penalized almost like 12, 13 times, really a lot in this game. Kind of slow drives down, both on offense and defense. The game plan here, I think Roethlisberger could have had an even better game. This game plan early on was a typical Todd Haley road. Let me just take two steps back and do bubble screens all day long. They finally got away from that. He put together a nice road game for a guy who struggles on the road. Bell will be fine. Antonio Brown is, like you said, Antonio Brown is just Antonio Brown. He caught 11 balls for 182 yards, and they were on 11 targets. He didn't miss any, including an unbelievable jump grab to basically seal the game in the fourth quarter. So as long as he's healthy, which he usually is, this, this is a guy that just just does what he does. Jesse James, he quieted the Vance McDonald uh, the train as well. Quieted for both of us, so we'll see how that goes forward. But nice showing by Kaiser. Steelers get the win, not the way people would have thought, but they – get the win and they move on next week to a very very tough matchup at home with the minnesota vikings shocking game here scott talk about it afc afc north again ravens go into cincinnati and crush the Bengals. maybe the worst offensive performance of the whole day scott ravens 20 Bengals zero talk to us what happened in this game 
Yeah, this 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 one had me a little little confused here. I mean, because because if you look at the numbers from the the Ravens side, I mean, the rushing numbers are decent, but outside of that, they're 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 terrible at offense as well. Fla- Joe Flacco played a lot of question marks going into the preseason if he would play. He did. He threw for 121 yards. He completed all of nine passes for 121 yards and a touchdown and a pick. The 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 big the big thing out of here from the Ravens side, Danny Woodhead. He played. He was in this game for six plays before he got injured. He ran the ball once for four yards and he caught three passes for thirty three yards. But again, injured with a hamstring. We don't know how long this is going to be, but it's going to be a few weeks at least. So that's a killer for Danny Woodhead PPR owners. Um, but Terrence West did the job. You were you're on Terrence West. You mentioned you take him over Abdullah going into this. Nineteen carries, eighty yards and a touchdown. Javarius Buck Allen. He's going to be a waiver wire. Pickup. People will be all over the waiver wire for Mr. Buck Allen this week. He had 21 carries for 71 yards, no touchdowns. He's 1% owned in Yahoo leagues. That number will skyrocket now with Woodhead out. Receiving wise, Macklin caught the touchdown, but only had two two catches for 56 yards. Like I said, Woodhead was in the game for, for six plays. He got hurt very early in this game, and he caught three passes, which means Joe Flacco from early on in the first quarter to near this game completed six other passes. Nobody really have noticed. Mike Wallace, non-existent, one for eight. So this was just one of those games that was just, you know, from a Ravens side, they get the win, but they didn't look that well, good on offense either. And then you go to the Bengals. I mean, Andy Dalton, you're at home. You're playing a division rival. 170 yards, no touchdowns. He threw four interceptions. The Ravens D is good. I don't think they're, you know, lights out. And this game was at home, and he was just non-existent. And then from the running standpoint here, question marks here too. Everybody assumed Joe Mixon was the guy, and then Jeremy Hill was the handcuff. Everybody forgot about Giovanni Bernard. Giovanni Bernard, seven carries for 40 yards, led the way in rushing. He also caught a pass for 39 yards to finish second on the team in receiving. Jeremy Hill, six catches for 26. Joe Mixon in his debut, eight carries, nine yards, nothing to write home about. A.J. Green does what A.J. Green does. Even in the bad game, he catches uh, five passes for 74 yards. Mentioned Bernard, Brandon LaFell, three for twenty-four. Tyler Eifert, another one of those tight ends that people overhype. The guy, he 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 has ability, can't stay healthy, but then he just doesn't put it all together. So he's one of those, it's like a Jordan Reed type, you know, with the talent, but just never puts it all together. That's why I shy away from a guy like Tyler Eifert. But this game, you know, listen, I mean, it's a division game. Anything can go in a division game, but. The Bengals getting shut out at home against a Raven team that did nothing on, in the air on offense. The running backs did well. You know, I think you chalk this one up, and I think Thursday night you get, you know, the Bengals and the Texans, two very unhappy teams that I know it's only week two, but neither one of them are going to want to go 0-2. So you're going to have two desperate teams Thursday night. We'll see who's more desperate. I mean, you got to expect a bounce back from Dalton, but this game was just one of those you shake your head at. So like we talked about last week. You get those games week one, and we got it here. Great summary. A couple quick things. Terrence West, I like. Buck Allen as well. Danny Woodhead's going to be out for a while. It just doesn't look to be his thing. I wouldn't even talk about it. Bengals are going to bounce back in a big way, Scott. And we can talk about this when we get to Thursday. But I'm going to say it right now. Bengals are going to win this game against the Texans. They're going to bounce back in a big way. There's too much talent. The difference between Giovanni Bernard and Amir Abdullah, by the way, is simply draft position. I think Giovanni Bernard is the same thing as Amir Abdullah. It's just you could have got him in round like 14 as opposed to Abdullah, who's going in like round six. Jeremy Hill's going to get the goal line carries. Mixon's going to work in. But I liked Bernard because of his value. You nailed everything else right on the head. Tyler Eifert, no thank you. And this is what happens to tight ends, which is what I thought would happen to Witten. I talked to you about this, but it didn't. When the team is in the backfield, crushing the running backs and getting all over the quarterback, the tight end has to stay back and block and he can't go out. That's what happened with Tyler Eifert here. This Ravens defense is good, Scott. Yeah, yeah, that, that's just one of those games. Raven de- defense played well. The Bengals offense was terrible. Looking for a bounce back. And uh, looking for a bounce back against the aforementioned team we just mentioned, the Houston Texans. 
They played the Jacksonville Jaguars. We touched on this a little bit in the in the opening. Jacksonville went in there, beat up the Texans pretty good. You know, give me some impact from this game. I said all offseason, the Jacksonville Jaguars have one of the best defenses in football, and I was targeting them in all of my leagues. Jacksonville Jaguars defense have a real, have a really, really good defense. Blake Bortles, they're going to have him manage the game. Listen, Leonard Fournette was better than I thought he would. He had 26 carries for 100 yards, 3.8 average, and a touchdown. I do think Chris Ivory is going to work in as well. I think Fournette is a guy they want to get involved. I understand that, but he's going to come along a little bit. He's also going to be a rookie. He got nicked up a little bit in the preseason. I'm not sure if I trust him moving forward as a definite RB1, but certainly he had a solid game. Allen Robinson tore an ACL field awful for him. We talked about Alan Hearns or, or Marquise Lee. Going over to the Texans, Deshaun Watson's got a start. At least he's got some balls down the field. Uh, he targeted Hopkins, who, as you said, 16 targets, 7 receptions, 55 yards, and a touchdown. So he got things going there as well. C.J. Fedorowicz was doing decently. He, he did, had a decent game. Four receptions, 46 yards, but had the concussion, as did many people on this team. Lamar Miller, no thank you. I have no interest in that. At some point, they're going to turn to Deontay Foreman, and I, I just have no interest in getting Lamar Miller. It has to be the right game situation. He is not an elusive guy in the backfield, and when they don't even have a quarterback right now or a new quarterback, it's something that I think that's really going to be difficult. So Texan defense still should be solid, but this week I like the Bengals to bounce back in a big way. Yeah, and real quick on this game, one guy for me to watch out for, you know, he was on the field 51 times, he lined up on the backfield 11, outside wide receiver 8, and 32 snaps in the slot. Tyler Irvin maybe makes a little bit of impact for a team that needs more playmakers outside of Hopkins. Lamar Miller's aging. He doesn't really impress me. I know you say Foreman might get some looks, but maybe Tyler Irvin becomes a factor in this team. He was on the field 51 times, Caught four passes, only 18 yards. He ran the ball three times for eight. But again, the Texans did nothing on offense. So, But he was involved in this game plan, and he was out there a lot. So maybe Tyler Irvin's a guy to watch for a couple weeks. Maybe he becomes more involved in this Texan offense. And close it out, Scott. Last AFC game we'll talk about. Raiders go into Tennessee for the third time in a row and beat the Titans 26-16. to Talk to us about the Raiders and the Titans. A lot of fantasy players on this game that people were interested in. Yeah, a ton of fantasy impact, and two teams that have a lot of people have high hopes for, Oakland and Tennessee. People think the Titans can win that division. People think the Raiders can go to the Super Bowl, start with the visitors. The winners, the Raiders win this game 26-16. Derek Carr looked like he didn't miss any beat at all after being injured. 262 yards, two touchdowns, no scores. Marshawn Lynch, I was down on him. Proved me wrong for one week. Out of Missed a year out of retirement. Comes back. Runs solidly on the ground for 18 carries. 76 yards. Did not score. I think a little surprise here. Jalen Richard lined up at the number two guy as opposed to DeAndre Washington. Richard five carries for 22 yards. Washington got three for four. Was a non-factor. Receiving-wise, Crabtree and Cooper and Cook, the three Cs, they did their thing here. Crabtree, six for 83. Cooper, five for 62 in a score. And Jared Cook in his Raider debut, five for 56. He could be a sneaky tight end play the rest of the year, especially with Derek Carr. He's one to watch. Seth Roberts got his one catch and a touchdown for 19 yards. Uh, Cordero Patterson, really no impact at all coming here from free agent from the Vikings. Switch to the Titans, Mariota. You know, he looked healthy, and that's 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 really what you want to know. You know, coming off the leg injury, well, just like Carr, they both look healthy. Threw for 256 yards, didn't draw a passing touchdown, but he did rush for a, t- a touchdown, which a lot of people thought maybe he wouldn't rush, it, rush as much. Did go 3 for 26 in his score, so that's good to see the legs moving well. DeMarco Murray, 12 for 44, really didn't, you know, not much there. I think more of a surprise was the lack of touches or playing time for Derrick Henry. He only got 6 for 25. Murray was on the field a lot there. Delaney Walker. Not to toot my own horn. I did very well with the tight ends this week. He was in my tight end pieces of the top five. Seven for 76. He just goes under the radar. He catches balls. Him and Mariota have a great relationship. And your boy, Rashard Matthews, you called us that he'd be the guy to lead the way. 
five for 71. So he's a guy to target as maybe a low wide receiver, two wide receiver, three, maybe even more, depending on how well Mariota does throughout the rest of the year, which we both think he'll be well. Corey Davis made an impact as a rookie, six for 69. I don't think either one of us expected it, but he did. So that's a good thing, which means Eric Decker didn't make an impact in his first game, three for 10. And DeMarco Murray had two for 16. So, I mean, a lot of fantasy impact. There's a lot of guys owned in this team. People put up decent numbers. There weren't, you know, a, a bevy of touchdowns. I mean, Cooper got one. Mariota got one. The running backs didn't score. Carr got a pair. So while this game had big implications as these teams, you know, have high hopes for the rest of the season, the Raiders win it by 10. They continue their great East Coast run. We talked about last year. They went four in a row in the East Coast and won them all. They do it again here in Tennessee. Uh, I liked what I saw at Oakland. And I think Tennessee will be just fine in that division that's very winnable. Yeah, Raiders tried to jam the ball to Amari Cooper. I think they've heard enough about this red zone garbage. I mean, they were firing the ball. I think they had three targets there. So he certainly is a guy that you have to look for. Marshawn Lynch is going to get the ball. It's game script. If you think the Raiders are going to be good, and I think they are, and you think they're going to be leading Scott in the second half, then Marshawn Lynch is going to get a lot of carries. But you noticed it. If Marshawn Lynch gets hurt, Jalen Richard is the next guy in. So keep note of that. I think Tennessee is going to be fine. Mariota moved the ball. They weren't as efficient in the red zone, which they normally are. Don't worry about Murray. He's going to get the carries. Henry is going to be behind him unless he gets injured. I do love Rashard Matthews. I think Decker is the odd man out here. Maybe him and Corey Davis alternate once in a while. But, I mean, just because Eric Decker's been great in the red zone with Peyton Manning uh, most of his career, and then Ryan Fitzpatrick when he was the only guy there with Brandon Marshall, doesn't mean that when he walks into a situation with Delaney Walker, Rashard Matthews, and Corey Davis, a first-round, first-top-10 rookie, that he's necessarily going to do well. So I think him and Davis are going to flip-flop. Matthews is going to be the best receiver there. I'm confident on it. And other than that, listen, bad loss for Tennessee, but I think they'll bounce back, and the Raiders look good. Yeah, let's kick this to the fourth quarter, Mike. Hit it. So, Scott, what I think we have to do here is do a quick little look ahead to week two. We'll come back, everybody, on Friday, and we'll give you some real specific picks and our fantasy thoughts on the games. But I think we have to do a look ahead. So basically what I want to start with here, before we get into the week two, just thoughts on in general is Scott I'm going to ask you some questions on do you believe it or do you not believe it so basically these are some of the storylines that we had and I'm asking you moving forward do you think this is an anomaly or do you think this is something that's really legit let me start with Sam Bradford Scott Sam Bradford 27 to 32 346 yards three touchdowns are you buying Sam Bradford as a potential every week starter in fantasy I'm not going to buy him as an every week starter, but give me a couple weeks, I may. I'm going to buy him as definitely a streaming replacement as a backup quarterback. Look, the Saint defense stinks, but he was as efficient as they came tonight. Adam Thielen was great. Stephon Thiggs was great. Sam Bradford showed me a lot after week one. I'm not going to jump on board just yet. Let me see it next week. He goes on the road. Tough matchup in Pittsburgh. If he puts similar numbers up or has a good game there, we may be talking differently next week. Yeah, I think it's a wait and see. Stay with that team. Here's one for you. Adam Thielen, nine receptions, 157 yards. Stefan Diggs, seven receptions, 93 yards, and two touchdowns. Diggs and Thielen, every week starters in fantasy? Yes. Thielen especially, Diggs most of the time. But Thielen was all over the place. He made some big plays. Diggs went up for some balls, including his touchdowns. He brought them down. They both looked really, really good. I would roll with both of them. I'm going to flip the other way. We've seen this from Stefan Diggs before the first two games, and he disappears. And I like Adam Thielen, but this was the Saints defense. I would caution you with all of them. I think they're solid wide receiver threes, especially Diggs. I just think we have to be careful. Another one I want to go with you on. Patriot wide receivers. What's your thoughts? Chris Hogan, buy or sell? No, I would buy Chris Hogan, especially with Amendola out now. If Amendola's out long-term, which it looks like he's going to be out for a while, Chris Hogan, buy him here. They got Amendola involved. He won't be there. Hogan had a bad game, one catch, eight yards, but again, it's only one week. He's sitting next to Brady in the locker room. They're going to be talking about a lot of plays. 
They go and play the defense that just got shredded up by Sam Bradford this week. They get the Saints next week. I'm buying Chris Hogan. You trained for DeAndre Hopkins right now, Scott, after that performance. Is this a guy you think he can get after here with uh, with, with Deshaun Watson, or do you think this is just a stay away? Well, listen, me and you were in a bun- couple of leagues together, and you know you know, basically every team I have. And I'm a Hopkins owner. I own him in about three out of six leagues. I was on Hopkins before Savage, while Savage was there and before Watson came in. So, yeah, I'm going to tell you to buy Hopkins because Watson was looking his way. Even if he's going to force feed him, he's going to force feed him these targets. Hopkins is good enough to get the ball. So I'm going to stick with Hopkins because he had a good game when, when the rest of the team didn't and the quarterbacks were shaky. I stick with DeAndre Hopkins. So if, you, if someone's offering him to you and you can buy low, I buy him. You got a door that you have to pick, and if you don't get this question right, you're going to hell. If you do get it right, you're going to paradise. Who's going to have more fantasy points rest of the year, Scott? Jonathan Stewart or Christian McCaffrey? Standard league. Standard league? Well, I mean, that's a big caveat. Standard league, I'm going to go Jonathan Stewart. PPR. Listen, after watching what they did, they they force-fed this kid the ball. I know it's only one game, and I know it's San Francisco, but they forced him the ball. Even Tom Brenneman doing this game up for Fox – Kept emphasizing how much they were force-feeding this ball to Christian McCaffrey. PPR, I think it's going to be tight. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, PPR. I'll take Jonathan Stewart and both. Scott, end of this week, Seattle's going to host San Francisco. I assume you think they're going to roll them. The best running back with the most fantasy points for the Seattle Seahawks will be? TBA? Is that is that? A- <laughs> no. Um, no, that's not the purpose of the game, Scott. Um, you know, Thomas Rawls plays. Maybe he's a guy. I think Thomas Rawls doesn't play. The- Say Thomas Rawls doesn't play. Thomas Rawls doesn't play. I can only go off what I saw. And I'll say Chris Carson will be the guy, but I will go with my gut feeling on this one and say CJ Prosize is the guy that puts up the best numbers. Well done. Scott, Eagles travel to Kansas City next week. Who's going to win the game? Chiefs. I Chiefs going to roll. I think Carson Wentz is going to get lit up next week. I think people are going to jump off that bandwagon very, very quick. Rest of year, Scott, standard league, LeGarrette Blunt or Darren Sproles and Wendell Smallwood combined? Sproles and Smallwood combined. <laughs> Scott, Zach Ertz finishes top five fantasy tight end of this season. Yes, I, I was on this earlier. I, I wrote a piece about this. Zach Ertz is going to be a top five fantasy tight end uh, this year for sure. He has got he had a good relationship with Wentz last year. Wentz is a year matured. Zach Ertz, top five, yes. Nelson Aguilar finishes over under top 30 wide receiver in fantasy. Over. Over, interesting. I agree with you. I think it was one week. I don't think we should get too excited about that. Most red zone targets is your Michael Crabtree, Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper. Interesting. So you're going to go with the switch. That's fine. Gun to your head right now. I got a lie detector on you. You take back our Melvin Gordon, Jordan Howard better? No. No, I don't. <laughs> you're a liar. It's, it's, it's week one. He's going against on, Denver. I, they couldn't, it's week. Uh, armless Madigan dropped that pass. They could have won the game pairs if Jordan Howard catches that pass. Ah. It, it, it's week one. I can't renege. I mean, I'd be a terrible gambler if I backed out after one week. We got some time to go. I may be wrong. Let's see what happens. I will stick. Oh, week one's good for gun. Zach Ertz, but week one's not good for Jordan Howard. I see how it is. All right. <laughs> All right, Mike. Let me throw a couple waiver wires. Pick one. Pick one or the other. Because there's a lot. There's a lot of names that are going to be in the waiver wire. Let me start with Kenny Galladay, Marquise Lee. Ooh, I'm going to take Marquise Lee. I think he's going to get more targets. Chris Carson. Or your boy, Kerwin Williams. Oh, boy, you're doing well at this, man, huh? Uh, I'm going to take Kerwin Williams. I think he's going to be the goal line running back. I think Ellington's going to be the Abdullah role. 
and I think Chris, I think Chris Carson's time is numbered. I'm rooting for Chris Carson, Scott. I hope I'm wrong with this because I love undrafted free. I mean, he was like not undrafted, but he was like the last pick, last round for them. But I'm gonna have to take Kerwin Williams, Tariq Cohen, Buck Allen. Oh, they're gonna say Tariq Cohen or Jordan Howard. That's an easy one. <laughs> Jordan Howard's not available, and rightfully so. I will take Tariq Cohen because of game script. I think the Ravens could be good in low-scoring games, which means West's going to have to pound the rock. Woodhead will come back at some point. Kenneth Dixon may come back; he may be an issue. Tyler Farrell's a pain. I- I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with Tariq Cohen because I think the Bears are going to have to throw a lot. Right, I'm going to give you two more here: sure. Cooper Cup, Allen Hearns. Allen Hearns target by. All right, and the last one here. Let's just say by some you know crazy stretch of the imagination here, the NFL wins their appeal. Are you buying the inactive of Darren McFadden? Is it Alfred Morris, or does Darren McFadden emerge as the guy? No, I think Darren McFadden comes back. I think they did that because they know that, is, that Zeke is going to get a ton of the carry. You know what I mean? I don't think it's an ascension. I think Alfred Morris is Alfred Morris, and I think their attitude is we don't need two guys that are going to carry the ball for 25 times, and if Ezekiel Elliott gets hurt, we're going to need McFadden anyway. I think it's a role thing. I think the main guy is either Elliott or McFadden, and since it's going to be Elliott, they didn't play McFadden. No, I'd still take that McFadden. He did run for 1,100 yards, Scott, something like that in 11 games. So, I mean, left that last 1,000 yards in, in uh, 11 games a couple years ago. So, good question, but I think it's still McFadden. And last question tonight, we saw him set a Viking fran- a rookie record, franchi- uh, a Viking rushing record for rookies, franchise record, Dalvin Cook. You a believer? Yes or no? Yeah, I missed the end of this game, Scott. Uh, you tell me. I don't think Latavius Murray got goal line touches, did he? No, Latavius Murray got two touches. His first one was a fumble recovered by the Vikings. He was really, no, he was not involved. No. J- Jarek, Jarek McKinnon was actually involved a lot in this game. I watched this game all, you know, from start to finish. Cook was the lead back. He, he iced this game with a 33-yard run to put him at 127 for the night. Uh, he did it on the 20, 22 carries, so he was very, very good. Um McKinnon was involved. Murray was not, yeah. and I just don't. I don't know if that was maybe because Murray was banged up in the preseason. If they started them off slow, but this was a Cook then McKinnon thing. So, you know, as far as Cook, he looked like the number one guy. Then. Yeah, no, McKinnon's going to return. He's returning kicks, and once he's returning kicks, I think that's a, that's a, the death nail there. He's not going to be as involved in terms of the rushes. Here's one for you. The answer is Cook. Here's one for you. You take Dalvin Cook or Kareem Hunt rest of the season. <laughs> it's a very very good because the answer is I'll take Dalvin Cook. Yeah, I mean, my answer here is Kareem Hunt because of the the offensive scheme he's in. Uh, we've seen Jamal Charles be successful. We've seen Spencer Ware be successful. We've seen Sharkandrick West be successful. The ability to get the ball on the ground and also get it in the air. So from a PPR standpoint, I'm going to take Hunt. If we're going to go standard, I may lean Cook, but most of these leagues that people play nowadays, PPR. So for me, I'm going to go Hunt. All right, that's it, folks. There's your comprehensive review of week one. Scott, Woo! great job there. Oh we went God. cover to cover. This is a long one, but we're going to give you a quality one here, folks, when we come off the the Sunday, the um, the Monday games. We'll be back with you on Friday morning. We're going to tape Thursday night. We'll have a little bit of a uh, summary of the Thursday game, which will be the Bengals blowing out the Texans. You can write that to take the bank, Scott, and we'll have a preview of week two. But we hope you enjoy picking up the Blitz. If you enjoy it, folks, go to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating and a comment. We would appreciate it. We're growing here. You can always check us on website at uh, on the website, www.randallrant. Yep, you can follow us on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook. Follow Mike on Twitter at randallrant. Follow me on Twitter at scot557. Yeah, we're going to give you a little bit of everything. Thursday, you'll get your DFS. We did all right on DFS. We missed some, but we hit some, so we'll try to get that going again week two. I cashed, man. I cashed. I'm up. I'm up on the season. As did I. So, I mean, I did cash. Brian Horry didn't get the job done, but my tight ends did. 
the L.A. Rams defense got the job done. So we hit a few home runs. Uh, we'll look to roll that going forward next week as well. Scott, to hear the music. I got to sit here and wait for Keenan Allen to get one reception for five yards, and I got this one locked up. Yeah, I'm looking. <laughs> uh, I'm looking to go five and one. I hope you get that ten and one mark. That's a hell of a way to start your fantasy campaign. Fifteen and two. Why would you listen to anyone else? Picking up the blitz, folks.